What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 11th podcast with my man, Michael Franco. Uh, This is a bit of a departure from the rest of the podcast in that we're not going to be going deep on Michael Franco's biography, even though it is interesting and alluring and full of twists and turns. This is more of a bullshit conversation about current events, Uh, a zeitgeist of sorts, talking about everything going on from LeBron James in China to Kanye and Jesus to Epstein not killing himself, uh, Apple Plus, L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, Joseph Smith and Mormonism and more. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this. This It's kind of just a laid back conversation with my man who is well studied amongst most things. We just kind of shoot the shit for about an hour and a half or so. And uh, I think it's one of the most pleasurable conversations I've had a minute. I think you will also agree. Uh, aside from that, you know, just uh, keeping, keeping, keeping on, you know, putting these suckers out. I enjoy it. It's going good. Everything's great. So uh, if you have any feedback, let me know. Shoot me a comment anywhere, any social media platform or an email address if you can find it. And let me know what you think. Uh, again, this is the 11th podcast. Keeping them coming. Going to have 12 out a couple days. Got a bunch of interviews stacked up, ready to go. Some interesting folks, entrepreneurs, chefs, food people, uh, also different types of people, you know, of things that I have no idea about. So it should be pretty interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. It's going to be stretching my abilities and my boundaries of what I know. And hopefully it will also stretch yours. But for now, <laughs> we're not stretching anything. Hop in this conversation with Franco and I. Peace. All right, dude. Cheers. Finally doing it. Cheers. Red Bull and peach vodka. Start us off. No, that's not right, Kevin. It's it's regular vodka and peach Red Bull. Regular vodka. <laughs> We're gone off the peach Ciroc and Red Bull. Did I say peach vodka? Yeah. Red oh. Bull and peach vodka. <clears throat> peach vodka. I peach. Pre- normally prefer the sugar-free Red Bull. Peach nectarine is probably the best thing they've ever done. This is this is better than when they put that dude in outer space and told him to jump off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> For real. It's much more impressive. This flavor is? Yeah, because it doesn't taste like Red Bull. <laughs> and I know that's cool. You jumped really far, dude. But it's pretty amazing. This directly, stunning. This directly impacts my life. That's true. <laughs> that guy jumping out into the stratosphere does nothing. I mean, maybe if I was a flat earther, that would have like a, a bigger impact on my life because it looked pretty round from up there. But well, I just watched that Rocket Man documentary about the guy that builds rockets to shoot himself up into space. Oh, to... that's not about Elton John. No, this is the documentary, not the biopic. Is it biopic or biopic? Um, I don't know. Biopic sounds less like a cancer procedure. <laughs> biopic. <laughs> Thanks, a biopsy. <laughs> but uh, that movie was malignant. <laughs> Did you see it? No. Oh. No, I didn't. I saw the Queen movie, but not the Elton John movie. The documentary was good, though. I mean, it was just kind of like a slice of life about this dude out in inland California trying to build rockets to uh, take photos of the curvature of the Earth. Really? If it exists. And oh, it's wow. actually more a pick about mental health awareness. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. It's cool, though. That's I, I dug it. To take pictures of the curvature of the Earth yeah. if it is curved, in fact. Well, I mean, that's the whole flat Earth philosophy. You, you know Netflix has that documentary? 
Which one? About flat earthers trying to prove that it's it's flat and then them just all being wrong. Mm-mm. I think it's called like what's it's it called like behind the curve. Is what <laughs> the, the, and it's 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 almost it's like when American Idol happened and oh boy William Hung got really famous for being oh, trash yeah. at singing. Yeah. It's like that. It's Man, like what they, happened to him? <laughs> he just wasn't good. So well, I know people but, got tired of, of just being mean to this guy. Yeah. Oh my public. god, that's so true. They were putting him on the Today Show and shit. I'd love to see, uh, you know, Tosh.0 catch up with him or something. Dude, that's that's low-key, like, super bullying. Da- Tosh? <laughs> no. Oh, what the world William did Hung to him? TV, <laughs> yeah. But the world is always kind of a bully. But he also, like, definitely got a bag out of all that. Yeah, maybe. He had to get money from that. Got that Ken Bone money. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Ken Bone. <laughs> Who's going to be the Ken Bone of the 2020 election? Oh, God. <laughs> Probably Ken Bone. He's just going to be at every presidential debate. He's going to come back. He's going to he's he, gonna rebone. He doesn't mess around with that primary shit. He's no, in well, time. I guarantee somebody's going to bring Ken Bone back and be like, so what do you think now, Ken? Like, who are you going to vote for now since you were undecided in the last election? He was in St. Louis, right? He lives on the east side, I think, Illinois. Oh. Mm-hmm. But you remember like when he got famous, people started digging into his Reddit history. Really? And like finding his creepy comments. Oh, Jesus. And to me, that was just like, yeah, of course he's a creep. We don't need to like violate this man by digging through his Reddit comments and then holding him accountable for everything that he said. That's why fame is a myth. That's crazy, man. You don't want to get famous. You want to have like this like mid-level like, fame. You just want the money and comfort. Yes. And then just you want... Just the comfort. I mean, the money is a part of the comfort, I guess. And then to be able to maintain some sort of anonymity. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, that, that would be ideal. Kevin, it sounds like you're trying to start the Illuminati right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Illuminati. Like, I just want the power and the comfort, but I don't want anybody to know who I am. That's true. <laughs> That's just straight up the Illuminati. Well, what good things come from everybody knowing who you are? If you're already comfortable, content, and well-off, and healthy, what what else do you need? Why do you need to be known? I don't know. Um, it's a side effect of doing things really well. That's what I was about to. That's what I was about to get at. Is for some people that might suck, but if you're that type of dude that just like performs every time, yeah, might be kind of tight. Yeah, like Bron Bron, Bron Bron. Like everybody knows Bron Bron. Obviously, Bron Bron has some haters, but for the most part, he's doing the damn thing. Yeah. So everybody knows him, but most of the time, like, oh shit, it's LeBron. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then he can do things that aren't that tight sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> which we'll get into. We should preface this. <laughs> What are you listening to right now? These, uh, this is. What am I listening to right no, now? No, no, I'm talking to. I'm talking to uh, oh, the, the listeners, the people, the people. That um, all of the other podcasts I've done, which is only ten in number, have been more or less biographical, and I decided that it would be awesome to have my brother Franco come out and do. What are we calling this? Culture update or culture check? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should call it either of those things. <laughs> but but those are both nice, like, summaries of what we're doing. Just to talk about current events. And, yeah, I'm and, just here to talk my shit. And music and NBA and things that interest us. Yeah. 
for sure. And to have them <laughs> immortalized in sound for the rest of for the rest of time for posterity. Yes, just like the preamble. Yeah. So with that, with knowing that, um, you know, just buckle in and get ready <laughs> to uh, embrace culture. We're going all over the place. Yes, hopefully. Sure. All right. So obviously, LeBron. LeBron James is one of your heroes. Yeah. Current heroes. Yeah. And how would you, here, here's, this is one thing that we said before the podcast is like, it's going to be funny because I'm not, I have no idea of what state the NBA is currently in. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about it. It's so good right now. It seems like it's really coming back into culture in the past five years. Yeah. Arguably, maybe seven or yeah, eight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, def- it's definitely like become the one. I think. And so my uh, my knowledge of NBA ends with you know Michael Jordan and everything <laughs> that was going crazy back in the mid to late nineties. Yeah. And it was such a driving force. Like I remember being at a soccer camp, and it was nighttime. You know, so we just had dinner. And everybody's gathered around the TV, like 50 people watching the NBA finals of, um, I think it was Jazz versus Bulls. Yeah. And like everybody's glued in and it was a worldwide event. That game six, I think Jordan's last game, is still the highest viewed basketball ever. Ever, still. That's crazy. Yeah. And then I feel like, um, I feel like college basketball really became a lot more popular. Um, in the early uh, 2000s. I don't know, man. Braun skipped college in 2003. Right, right, right. So I'm saying like leading up to Kobe, when did Kobe start? I mean, Kobe got drafted in 96 and basically Jordan left. Mm-hmm. They got their ring in 98. Then the Spurs got one off and then it was the Lakers three P. They only, did they play against each other? Kobe and Jordan? I mean, they played against each other in the regular season. Okay. A little bit, but yeah. never in the playoffs or anything because Jordan was right. in the East and... The Lakers weren't making the finals at that point. Uh, but they definitely played each other and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of good like duels mm-hmm. between Kobe and Jordan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so Jordan was gone for a year, and then Kobe and Shaq ran it up and That's did right. the three-peat. Like, there was only a year in between when the Bulls three-peated and when the Lakers three-peated. Yeah. And then it hasn't happened since. And granted... But the Lakers, that was a big time too. Like the Lakers three-peat was a really big game. Yeah, for sure. And granted, I'm saying, I'm not saying that this is the world's awareness. I'm saying this is Kevin Kelly's awareness. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, definitely those Bulls, those last couple Bulls championships with MJ were like my earliest memories of mm-hmm. watching basketball. And really just, it was really just Michael Jordan. It wasn't really right. like watching basketball. It was like, yeah, Michael, Michael Jordan's on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like too. And Scottie Pippen's helping Yeah. Him. And then, <laughs> and then I had like friends that were into basketball, but then just mostly paying attention. I thought Shaq was like super tight. Yeah. When I was a kid. Well, I mean, he was shocking. Well, he was just like, seemed like the nicest, most fun, giant human being in the world. And he seemed like, um, he seemed like a different thing than Michael Jordan because he really came out in full force in all media because he was in that movie Blue Chips with Nick yeah. Nolte. And then he was putting out the Shaq Fu records. And he then was he was also playing basketball. Like, really well. And he was in blue chips, I think, when he was still at LSU. Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't I was watching him. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I still haven't oh, seen blue it's chips, a great actually. Movie. Great basketball movie up there with uh, He Got Game and Hoosiers. 
Yeah. But then it's, uh, so in the past few years, I feel like it's really come back to my awareness and, you know, I'm using my awareness as a thermometer for 30 year old white guys. Yeah. Awareness. Well, I think, I think it's for a few reasons. Um, I think that there's just like over the last five to seven years, there's been shit happening in the NBA. That's just like undeniably amazing. Yeah. Like Braun going to eight straight finals mm-hmm. and golden state being golden state. You know what I mean? Like it's just really compelling to see these, this mega rivalry and happen. ability levels that I think rival what we thought was the height of, you know, um, skills. Yeah, no, yeah. We're just seeing people do shit that's never been done before. And it's very exciting. Like we have somebody that's like, man, is he, is he close to as good as Michael Jordan? Like, is right. he, is, is like, can we actually have this conversation now? Yeah. And that's like crazy. And obviously like Steph Curry completely changing the game by throwing the ball up from absolutely anywhere on the court <laughs> and being a problem. Yeah, he's got his own master class. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a, a goddamn master class. Um, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. You have James Harden like kind of studying the rules to be like a mass. He's like a mad scientist of basketball. He James just like Harden. figures out exactly what he can do that yeah. people think he can't do and then just does it over and over again. In and then he just of, plays like the averages. Yeah, okay. Like the, the Rockets are super, until this season, <laughs> the Rockets have been like a super analytically driven team. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, we're just going to shoot way more three-pointers than two-pointers because our percentage is good enough that on average we're going to make enough to make it worth it. Like, was that a team decision, like a money ball kind of thing almost? Yeah, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, I mean, it goes all the way up into their front office and shit. Like, well, who's the, okay, so who's the guy that they referred to as the money ball version of basketball? Probably Daryl Morey? Is yeah. that the name? Yeah, and he's the guy that made for the, the China comments. Yes. Okay. Yes, and then their coach, Mike D'Antoni, was the guy who in the early 2000s was running the Phoenix seven seconds or less offense with Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. He's always been like, Another, like, it's kind of pretty analytical way of looking at it. Yeah. So they linked up, and then they have James Harden, who just has, like, the craziest ball handles and just one of the most versatile offensive players ever. And it was just like, oh, let's just put the ball in his hands and start running some math equations. And sure. Last year, James went, like, 40 games in a row, scoring at least 30 points or something crazy. So all <laughs> these things are kind of coming into, um, you know, uh, just like building on upon each other. And then you have somebody like LeBron James who comes around, basically takes the ball and runs with it, but at every level, like yeah, in the game, out of the game, changing, socially. Like changing the way that the league operates by like yeah. taking control of his destiny as a player mm-hmm. and like making the free agency like news cycle as big of a deal as the playoffs are mm-hmm. by like, oh, wow, these players can go wherever they want. Like, what's the league going to look like in sure. two months? Um, I think all that definitely helped propel the NBA to the, the front. And then I think the NFL, like, straight up just fucking up a lot. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that. those those are two, like, obviously the NBA has just been, like, killing it. Adam Silver, their commissioner, has been amazing for the last yeah. however many years. Uh, and then the NFL just kept putting their foot in their mouth and putting their foot in their mouth. Well, and... And, like, kind of alienating a lot of their fans. Yeah, that, and then, obviously, the uh, CTE scandal. And it's not even really a scandal, because it's, like, people have been fucking hitting their heads against each other. Do you think people really care about that, though? Like, it's, what, TV oh, I, watchers? Um, I, I, I care about it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I think about it, but I, I also completely stopped watching football when I started smoking weed. <laughs> 
because it got real silly to me. <laughs> but I, I always wonder, like, I think it's a big deal and it's something that they need to be like taking responsibility for and changing the rules and all that. But I think it is. Uh, I think it's been sustained for long enough news cycles that it is something that people are like, okay, well, I'm not going to have my kid play football. Like I played peewee football. That's real. And I'm not going to let my kid like scramble his brains. That's real. Playing football. And I think that what you're seeing is a very slow die off of interest. Like obviously people are still mega fans. The NFL still makes all the money. It still makes all the money. But I think it will be interesting to see what happens in the next 20 years with the heightened awareness of, you know, Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, whatever encephalopathy, movie yeah. disease. <laughs> the yeah, where he talks with a African accent or whatever. <laughs> I didn't see it. I saw the that's that's like one of those movies that I would put on, and literally every time I put it on, I would fall asleep. Yeah, that's like every Will Smith movie for the past ten years. <laughs> he hasn't put out a banger in a long time. Oh, you didn't like Bright, <laughs> I actually did like Bright. Oh, but. I was, I watched it New Year's Day of 2018, supremely hungover. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't really have to think too hard about it. Uh, I thought it was very creative. I thought it obviously missed a lot of good storytelling aspects. <laughs> <laughs> but the creativity behind it was, you know, interesting. It was trying to do something new. I, I, I remember that they did get a sequel scheduled for it. Did they? Yeah. They greenlit a sequel for Bright. Yeah. Now, if that's still happening, who knows? Interesting. But yeah, unfortunately, Will Smith hasn't done a whole lot of cinematic amazingness in the past 10 years. I'm probably going to go see Bad Boys 3, though. Yeah, that could be <laughs> cool. But that all that is is nostalgia harvesting. Yeah, but I'm saying I didn't go see Men in Black 3 when they did that. Yeah, well, okay, I thought you were referencing the new one. Well, no. With Chris, I definitely Chris didn't Hemsworth. see that one either. They... they Convinced me not to see that by all the terrible NBA commercials they did during the playoffs <laughs> last year. It's, you know, what's funny is these trailers start coming out and I can almost predict now which ones are just like, that's not worth seeing at all. There's a lot of movies that make a lot of trailers because they are really bad movies, I think. That make a lot of trailers? Yeah, like oh. um, like that Men in Black international movie did oh, not yeah. look good. And there were ads for it in everything. Because yeah, which like, is we interesting. Need, we need people to come see this. <laughs> we like we need them to come see it first week because they're not going to come second week. Which you know what? If they had ran a campaign that was literally just the Men in Black logo poster, no trailers, I guarantee more people would come. And like see the it. new Christopher Nolan trailer for his new movie. I haven't even seen that. <laughs> it's literally just like there's a new Christopher Nolan movie <laughs> with a new kind of hero, and then it's a black guy. And then oh, that's I it. have seen that, and that's it. They don't yeah. tell you anything else about the movie. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I mean, I'm. <laughs> if your movie's trash, if no, your that's not true. Good, I you remember. Don't necessarily have to hide everything. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when Matrix came out, and I saw it in theaters, and literally, you had no idea what you were going to see. That's real. I don't even know if you knew that Keanu Reeves was in it, because the marketing for it was so. It was playing to all the things that you were interested in back in 1998, 99. You know, like all this green data on the, you know, and that's all you saw. And you maybe saw like Keanu for a split second. Like I feel like in 1998 and 1999, though, we were looking at real computers. Like we were looking at 
actual software. We were we were with, looking with at like graphical user interfaces. We weren't yes. looking at green letters in 1999. No, but like that was like 95. That 94. Was like the, it was like the cusp of that though, because like uh, the 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 new iMacs had come out. So obviously you're working with the Mac interface yeah, for sure. But you still, if you wanted to get into hacking, <laughs> well, yeah, that's real. You had to use prompts and yeah and MS DOS and stuff. You couldn't really do much development on Macs until about 10 years ago, honestly. No, that's real. That's real. Um, Were you a hacker in 1999, Kevin? No, no, not at all. But like the <laughs> things were just more wide open. Like I remember having shit tons of fun with the, um, the deaf relay website. And this was a website that you could enter in a phone number Oh, and it would call a relay st- uh, station, and it was then like text to voice. Yes, but it was a real person on this. They on would the just phone. read your shit, and you could say whatever, and they had to legally say whatever you typed. Oh, no. And so we did some hilarious prank calls, even just to ourselves. <laughs> to hear this, like the taxpayers of Texas were paying for this. No, Sprint was. Sprint was. Yeah. Ooh. And so there was this seven-year-old woman just cussing you out on the other end. <laughs> And we would just call ourselves up and crack each other up with what we could get wow, them to say. Oh, that's wild. And then felt guilty about it, of course, afterwards, because, you know, you're abusing the system, but only only a little minor guilt. But no, there was like, you know, Anarchist Cookbook was still downloadable and you weren't worried about the government knowing that you downloaded it. You, yeah. could, you, you still had some rotary phones. So... Mm-hmm. War games, stuff in that Matthew Broderick movie still felt like, oh, I could get free phone calls out of the public phone. I was just too young, I think, at that point. It is. That's all right. I was just a little little kid trying to look at pictures of Batman on the internet. You know what I mean? Like It's like one one row of pixels at a time. You know? Progressive JPEGs. I remember when the, the trailer for the first of the new Star Wars movies came out with uh, episode one. And it came out oh, online. Yeah. And I remember that my dad. That was, was like, an event. He was like, all right, we're going to unplug the phones tonight. Yeah. And I'm going to download the trailer for the new Star Wars movie <laughs> while we're asleep. <laughs> and we're going to watch the trailer when we wake up tomorrow for the brand new Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if that was when we first got DSL or if it was right before we did. But it was so funny. You know what's funny is that DSL was only twice the speed I know what was it? was it one megabyte? I don't know what the fuck it was. It was one was, megabyte per it second. It was an overnight buffering for a trailer because <laughs> I remember getting a fifty-six k modem, and that's fifty-six k a yeah. second, which is literally nothing, like a text file a second. Yeah, and then DSL came out. It's like one megabyte. It's like get the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> bro, that's twenty times as much. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a life changer. Um, where we I have so many topics written down to talk about. I feel like it's gonna take us forever to get through. Look at it. One. No. 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 Okay. I want to surprise oh, you. Okay. I want to go back to all right. So what currently is happening with LeBron? LeBron. So I'll tell you what's happening with LeBron. Last night he put up a thirty-nine point triple double on the Mavericks in overtime. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. They're four and one. You know, they lost to the Clippers in game one, but they haven't lost since. I saw a thumbnail of some <laughs> steal and like end to end play. Oh, here. last night? Yeah. Yeah. So But I didn't see the I didn't see the clip. Whew. Yo, he he 
he went way up to get this steal. Uh-huh. Uh, so they were playing the Mavs last night. The Mavs are a sneaky good team that I think are going to make the playoffs this year. They're Mark Cuban's like Aryan race basketball team. It's <laughs> all white guys. I, like damn near all white guys and Tim Hardaway. <laughs> um, but so... How old is Tim Hardaway? Well, it's Tim Hardaway Jr. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, well. a, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, they're unicorn... Uh, Kristaps Porzingis that they just got from the Knicks last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going up and he was in the paint and he just like lost the ball mm-hmm. and it went flying into the air, like super high up. And Braun just with one one arm just goes flying up and grabs it over somebody on the Mavs with brings it in like a football <laughs> and then dribbles it down the court with his left hand while with his right hand he's like damn near stiff arming Mavs players off of him and then throws it down with the two-hand jam. Is his court, court, court to court, and he swings so hard on the hoop. I've never seen him swing like it before. It's like he went all the way back up, and then swung back, and it like launched him back to the free throw line when he like <laughs> let go of the hoop. Like it was just like such a brute force. Like no, this we're gonna. This is mine. That's cool. And like, do you think the game will just? override all the china nonsense that's been happening i think it's probably almost done already yeah i think if it's not it's just already, a new cycle it, uh, yeah well in the states it is yeah i i saw a picture of a bunch of protesters in hong kong wearing nba jerseys though you uh in, the other day in like saying that they no like that rocking the nba jerseys like, yeah this is our shit because because the nba kind of came out and was like Hey, we're not gonna persecute or fire or punish Daryl well, Morey for saying what he said. Yeah, well, he, the who was it? The commissioner that said that's absolutely not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, Adam Silver, the commissioner, because China, like the Chinese government, I guess, apparently reached out to him and pressured, was trying to pressure Adam Silver into firing Daryl Daryl Morey. That yeah, and wasn't there like the kind of the intimation that LeBron said? Uh, you should fire Daryl Morey Brian, because if a yeah. player had said that he didn't say that he should fire him or be punished. He, yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, so Bron definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, it's great that Bron has been like the player's advocate mm-hmm. for ever now, and he he also is not afraid to stand up and put his foot down and say something about social issues, which is great. Um, and so when Daryl Morey made his, this is me being bronze advocate, but I'm also like not agreeing with him right now. Yeah. So when, when Daryl Morey made his tweet about free Hong Kong, um, like two or three, like three or four days later, the Lakers and the Nets had a trip to China mm-hmm. to play two exhibition games in China. Yeah. Um, so it made for a really like uncomfortable, awkward trip for them. And when Bron got back, they asked him about, you know, the whole thing. And Oh, see, I thought he made one of the statements while they were still no. in China. Okay. Well, it was after he got back. Um, and they asked him about it and he, he responded kind of just like, I, I think that you probably shouldn't talk about stuff that you're not educated about. And you should really like understand the impact that your words can have on others and, and blah, blah, blah. But what was bad about that was like one Braun is not like, it acknowledged that he doesn't know enough about the situation to speak on the actual content of the tweet or the situation. So it's kind of like sus that he's like, Daryl Morty, you don't know what you're talking about. Which but, half of me doesn't really hold that against him, but the other but half is like, you're literally the figurehead of this entire thing, sport right now, so you should be a little 
up to date on what's going on? If I'm going to keep it a buck, LeBron James, he is more than an athlete. That's like his brand. For sure. If Bron decided to stay out of it, I can respect that mm. more than I can respect the angle that he took because yeah. the angle that he took wasn't like, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to consider how your tweets are affecting these people in China. It was, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to understand what a shitty trip you just made us have. Yeah. It was a very selfish, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like, he's like, I'm not even going to talk about like whatever's going on over there. Cause I don't know about it, but I just know me and my team had a really shitty trip to China. <laughs> so maybe if you could have waited a week to tweet it, cause he said that when he clarified his comments, he's like, you could have waited a week. Bruh, you come off as such a dick. Well, it sounds like such a response um, thinking about the money instead well, just, of thinking about like... Yeah, I mean, uh, that goes without democracy. saying. That goes without saying. Yeah. But then at the end of it to just be like, you say what you want, but like you could have waited a week, bro. Like that's yeah. so selfish. But wasn't his like, okay, the question that I asked you when that was all happening, I said, wasn't what he said that he was worried about the safety of his teammates. Yeah. So they're over there and they're like watching NBA banners get torn down as they're walking into events that are getting canceled. Oh and my shit. God. So like, it's definitely, I imagine that was a very stressful week. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for sure, for sure. And now there's reports. It's funny. There's reports right now. Um, that the Nets are worried about Kyrie Irving's mood swings because when he was in China, he wasn't like talking to anybody. And it's like, bro, that shit was probably pretty stressful. Yeah. Like they go over there in the off season to do all of their like promotional events for the different brands that they work on. Braun goes over there and does a ton of Nike events. James Harden is over there every summer doing a ton of Adidas events. I'm sure Kyrie was going to, they were out there getting money. All that shit got canceled. I mean, they, they probably have Chinese brands that they make money from too. Well, they have, I mean, just Nike and Adidas are huge out there. Sure. But the, yeah, like, 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 uh, like, like Bill Murray and Lost in Translation just right. out there doing a whiskey ad yes. you know, in Japan, yeah. that type of shit. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's other brands that they do ad for out in China, but so it's just like, I get it. That probably was like an uncomfortable trip. And you could have even acknowledged that if yeah. you acknowledge that directly, but being like, honestly, I don't know too much about it. So, you know, say what you say. But that the timing made things uncomfortable for us while we were there. Right. But that's not what he said. And that's not how he vocalized it. And, and so, I mean, for people that really aren't plugged in, the controversy stems from, one, China being infamously non-democratic country, yeah. uh, nation, and two, the Hong Kong protests that are currently happening. Right. And I don't even know if a lot of people even understand the Hong Kong protest. I have like, um, I, I have a, f I would say a fairly good understanding, but Same. I don't know all the, the nuances of it. And yeah. it's deep. It, it is deep. deep and it's complicated. And it, you know, it stems from Hong Kong being this, um, I forget the terminology, one, or, uh, one country to, um, political systems are. Yeah. I mean, my, my basic understanding is that after World War II, that England yeah. was in control of Hong Kong for mm -hmm. quite some time. Yeah. And because of that, they lived by a, a British style of government where right. they have freedom of speech and open elections and all that kind of shit. And then in the nineties, I want to say mm -hmm. England was like, all right, we're going to give Hong Kong back to China, yeah. but you got to let them live the way they've been living for 50 years. Right. And that means freedom of speech, freedom to criticize the Chinese government, yeah. um, freedom to hold your own elections. And then a big thing 
is that like if you're criticizing the Chinese government, they can't like put you in jail or like right. bring you out of Hong Kong. And so that 50 years is going to expire in like 15 or so years right now. Um, and the, there's been a lot of like issues with the Chinese government trying to prematurely step sure. in. And there was a major law that was passed in Hong Kong recently that's like an extradition law, mm -hmm. which basically yes. allows them to say... That's what preempted all the that's, protests. That's what is making everything pop off right now, this yeah. time, is that there's an extradition law where if you're talking shit on the Chinese government, you're somebody they don't like, yeah. that they can then force Hong Kong to extradite you to China so that they can try you in their yes. legal system. Well, and there's quotes around the tribe because basically if they extradite you there's a good chance you might just disappear. Right. You know? <laughs> and so obviously people in Hong Kong are freaking the fuck out about yeah. that. Because even, like, at, at the end of the day, like, they don't want it to happen. Mm -hmm. The agreement was that it's happening in 15 years. Yeah. Uh, which sucks still. Oh, of course. But it's not happening today. You right. know what I'm saying? So get the fuck out of my yard. Yeah. Type shit. Um, and so Daryl Morey, you know, obviously the, these protests are, are getting really, really crazy over there and we're just not seeing them for real. Well, uh, unless you're looking certain for social it. media account, like a Weiwei has been, you know, one of my favorite artists, he's been doing an incredible job of putting up everything related to it. And yeah. it, 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 per his style, he just floods his, but if you're like, if you're, if you're the type of person that's hip to him as an artist, you're already aware of these, the situation for sure. Yeah. That's but true. if you're just like a regular person that maybe is an NBA superstar, that this isn't necessarily on your true. Twitter, Twitter feed or yeah. your Apple news app. But again, if you're playing over there, I mean, when you have that much money tied up over there and coming in from you, like, cause China spends crazy money with the NBA. Yeah. Crazy money with the NBA. Um, you should know about it, man. I was listening to, um, this podcast, and I can't remember which one it was, unfortunately, but they were talking about why the NBA is so big in China, and it's because of YMCA missionaries going over there really, and looking for a way to connect with the youth, and so they all started playing basketball. And this was probably um, uh, 50s, maybe earlier than that even, uh, maybe even turn of the century, uh, but basketball was only invented in, I believe, like... 1860s, 70s. I don't know. By uh, James Naismith. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> but the reason it's so big is that these missionaries took it over there to connect with the youth. And then as China slowly began to become a part of, you know, the international community, NBA obviously started to pick up and the kids started watching the NBA and then Yao Ming really yeah. set it off. Like, That's And, and it, it's crazy that all this has popped off with the GM of the Rockets. Because mm -hmm. Yao Ming was a Rockets lifer. Yeah. And Yao Ming is like the president of the Chinese Basketball Association. Um, and the Rockets are the number one basketball team in China. And James Harden is like one of their top players and shit. Yeah, that's crazy. And um, like when this happened, like the Rockets basically just got like scrubbed from existence in China. They're just like not. Well, yeah. That was the first thing that happened. And then, and then when Adam Silver was like, no, he can say what he wants to say, blah, blah, blah. Then they're yeah. just like, oh, we're not fucking with basketball at all anymore. Well, and the other aspect that I think makes it a little hard to make a judgment call on is that there are famous mainland Chinese people saying Hong Kong's wrong. Yeah. So the the there's a new like majority or part owner of the Nets. Yeah. That released an open letter right after this. That was basically oh interesting of that sentiment. Um, and Jackie Chan. 
<laughs> Jackie Chan. He did. He, so he, yeah, I mean, and, and he basically tried to explain it as, you know, mainland China and China is very sensitive to people that are trying to tear the country apart because right. of everything that happened in World War II and before then. Um, but that's not necessarily, in my opinion, a fair assessment of what's going on. It's not somebody trying to split China up into territories. No, it seems like um, it seems like a dated perspective for sure. And it's a spin, bro. There, it's just all spin. But it's also, you know, I think the larger conversation is democracy, for sure, being the best system that we currently have in terms of everything that's been tried out. And um, I don't know. I. I, I I think that there's a lot of, it's a loaded conversation because you get into people saying, okay, well, Americans shouldn't be the world police. They shouldn't be trying to enforcing their system on everybody else. But at the same time, free speech is kind of undeniable. It's a big one. It is. And once that is being uh, quenched or squelched and, and people are disappearing, you know, you just have to look at it from a human rights perspective. Um, Yeah. And go from there. I mean, I think that's the most important thing to look at. I totally agree. This just got real serious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kanye. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so we're going from my current hero to my yeah, previous Yeah, we touched on your first two, you know, your, your, your superheroes. Okay. Or I guess you could say former hero. <laughs> yeah. That boy, yeah, he done, done did it. <laughs> he done fucked up. <laughs> he did that shit. He uh, jumped spread eagle into the arms of Christianity. and Did he, though? Well, I do think he did. Um, there's a couple ways to look at that. I have, I've been kind of calling it all out just because my whole background in Christianity. Sure. And I just find it so funny and so amazing, and I've seen it replicated so many times. So in one hand, because culture has such a short memory, this isn't really that big of a deal. Like Elvis, Bob Dylan, Prince, Prince, uh, numerous people have gone through a gospel reawakening or, you know, becoming born again for sure. And being all about it, um, before kind of saying, yo, what am I doing? Yeah. Let me get back to the things that are really what I'm about. Sure. So in that respect, it's like, this, you know, that's not that shocking. He's kind of following a pop culture archetype in America of seeking fame, seeking what is beyond fame, finding a perceived truth in Christianity and Jesus Christ before probably going back to just making solid music. One would hope. One would hope. I just, I worry about Ye because, (laughs) um, I don't know. When I listen to this album... He's not talking about God. He's still talking about himself. Yes. And and I think that's one of the biggest differences between Kanye and, you know, Kanye-anity and everybody else's uh, reform experiences. That's what I'm saying is I don't know that I buy it all the way. I think it's like... Um, or I, Not that I don't know that he, I buy it all the way. I don't know that it's coming from the same place as the artists that you mentioned. Of I, course. I'm very... Very much like at this point, I'm somebody that if if anybody knows me, they know how I have historically felt about our boy Kanye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I've been a writer for a long time. Yes. Um, but it 
like at this point I'm kind of at a at a I'm in a place where I feel like either like the people that are around him don't care about him enough to really help him out and he needs help. Yeah. Or he's doing this shit to try and get back in our good graces, like on some R. Kelly type shit. That's probably part of it too. And both of those are not okay. No. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, like I listened to it as soon as it came out. I listened to it a couple of times. And there's moments sonically on that album that are worth existing yeah. for sure, yeah. without a doubt. And it, there's moments where I was like, damn, like I'm glad he still has this in him. But at the same time, like I think that this is an incredibly irresponsible decision for him to make. Well, you have to look at Kanye in two mindsets. One is the music, which is obviously predicated everything that he's done. But now, current Kanye, you have to look at his music, and then also what he's doing. And you have yeah. to take those both into consideration and see how they interplay with each other. And they're almost two separate things. Because um, you could just listen to his music and not know anything. You, you could not be following the news at large about Kanye and just be like, mm-hmm. this is an interesting album. You know, like, I kind of know Kanye. I guess. I mean, it's just a whole... It's Because not a lot you, of people are as you, tapped into this. Have you listened to the album? I've listened to it once through. Uh, I haven't given it a deep listen so there's there's just like i don't know like i wasn't raised super religious but i was raised by a catholic family Mm -hmm. and did like um learn did bible study shit for a little bit you know what i mean um and i'm i'm a skeptic myself but there's a lot of like very sacrilegious shit on the album unwittingly i would say that he doesn't understand yeah and it's just like bruh like this ain't it this ain't it if this, if you're for real, you wouldn't have put this out in this right. state. You know what I mean? And it just doesn't, it doesn't pass the litmus test for me. Like I'm just, I don't know. You're putting out t-shirts where you're stealing designs from people for the Jesus is King album art. <laughs> What'd he steal? One of the t-shirts that they put out that um, has like a Jesus face with a black background and blue lightning on it and shit yeah. was lifted directly from somebody's Instagram. <laughs> Well, that's funny because it is pixelated. It looks like trash. It looks like they photoshopped it, like a like on a yeah. on a DSL connection. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's it's I just it's so bullshit to me, and I can't. I tried to play along and give Kanye the benefit of the doubt for so long, like yeah. for so long that I just like ran out of patience. And I feel like I need like two back-to-back amazing albums before I'm willing to start believing him again. Yeah. Like I need I need him to do two incredibly amazing, authentic things in a row now for me to get back. <laughs> I th- <laughs> I'm almost that far away from him at this point. So you said something about how uh, he's being sacrilegious. And I think it's interesting to look at that he's adopted um like non-denominational christianity he hasn't necessarily become catholic right and in my understanding of growing up as evangelical Mm -hmm. it's um basically like there was the unspoken idea that christian or catholics weren't necessarily going to heaven word and so that's yeah, kind of like vibe too. <laughs> the line in the sand you know what i mean yeah and coming from a family where we had both catholics and evangelicals in the family 
it was a situation of like, okay, so you're telling me like my Catholic grandma isn't going to heaven? Like, no, she accepted Jesus Christ. So she has a relationship with Jesus. So she is going to go to heaven. And I think it's important to denote that Kanye is jumping into this idea of Jesus is king. This is a very straightforward thing. This is really appealing to evangelical Christianity. Sure. And so when you when you take that into consideration, he may be using like uh, iconology and imagery from Catholicism and older Christianity, but he's he's expressing it through evangelical Christianity. Sure. And it, that is fascinating to me because what I keep saying is that he's basically taking the prosperity gospel message of everyone from the 80s, 90s, and today, mm-hmm. Joel Osteen, and using that as a vehicle for his own prosperity yeah. that he's already had and that he is continuing to have. And so what was interesting, one of the few pieces of content I've seen was the James Corden um, uh, karaoke that he did on Ye's... On the airplane? Airplane. Yeah. And I only, like, I kind of like scrubbed through it. You know, I was just wanting to yeah. listen to it. And it's, you know, it's weird. Like a lot of Kanye's interactions are weird. Yeah. But I, he had one line where he's like in truthful Kanye mode. And he's like, last year I had to pay X amount on my taxes and I ended up getting $32 million back. That's God. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's just, no, that's just how taxes work. <laughs> that's your accountant, my guy. <laughs> and he's like, isn't that amazing? And the only thing I can think is that he's got like 70 other gospel singers around him and they have to listen to this and they're getting a check from him yeah. and they're saying, this is awesome. And gospel music in its nature is just, um, feels amazing. It's revelatory by its structure. For sure. You know, it's inspiration, not revelatory, but inspirational by its structure. And so uh, anytime you hear gospel music, if it's well done, you feel good. Sure. Like it creates positive vibes when you're listening to it. And I think that he's really just taking gospel music, putting his ego into this idea of prosperity gospel, and then throwing dashes of Jesus Christ into the mix. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And then it's just another it's just another phase though. And granted it has been a phase that he has been evolving towards ever since Jesus walks. Um has he been evolving towards it this whole time? Okay. Devolving. Yeah. <laughs> De- devolving to no, this point. No, but I'm I'm saying Well look at Jesus walks and then Jesus was the next representation of anything that had to do with Jesus and then Obviously, there was touches of it on Pablo. Yeah, but... Ultralight beam. Yeah, I I guess so, man. I don't know. I don't know that this is something that he's been trending towards. Well, I think... I mean, literally, last year, Yeah, he was putting out that song with Lil Pump. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Which... uh, The I Love It song that they they debuted the video for at the Pornhub Awards. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, he hasn't been trending in this direction. But he has had this. He's had Jesus as a, and God as a theme in his music. Very publicized always. crisis of existentialism is what I could you could basically refer to it as, and then um, grasping at something 
And when that happens, you know, Christianity and evangelicalism, I've seen it thousands of times. It becomes this life raft to people that are over the top in what they do. Yeah. You know, so people that are 100% artists, obviously Bob Dylan, you know, Johnny Cash, they're all into what they do. Mm-hmm. They they have poor control over their, you know, addiction, um, whatever it may be. And then they see Jesus and they dive into it 100%. Yeah. And it becomes a new addiction. And that's all I see this as, um, is that this is it, Jesus is Kanye's new addiction. And he's all about it. And it hits you emotionally and mentally. And there's no drugs or anything outside of you that you have to take in. And it feels right and feels good and feels true um, when you become saved. And this is him representing that. Yeah. I just don't buy it. No, no, like, no. I'm not, I'm yeah. not defending him. No, I feel you. I feel <laughs> I'm you. I'm trying to explain it. I don't know. Um, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, because like you said, everything else is very egocentric and potentially um, sacrilegious. Well, and just, I don't know, man. Like I watched his interview with Zane Lowe and I watched his interview yeah, I didn't with see Big that Boy yet. and he sounds like a fucking asshole. And he sounds fucking crazy. I saw the runtime on that and of two hours, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like he he <laughs> uh, he just like confirms everything that I worry about when he speaks. Yeah, and it it makes me sad because I want him to win and I want him to be great and I want him to be okay because yep. he's done so much for for myself and for so many people with his art. Um, but I don't think he understands how damaging his actions are to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think he's incredibly irresponsible. But is it only because we are so aware in this day and age? Like when other artists had their um, crisis of faith and went Christian or gospel? Sure, sure. But th- at we the didn't same really time, care. At the same time, like it's a different time. So yeah. he has to behave differently than they had to. He understands the life that he lives. Sure. He understands that he can't walk out in public without people making Instagram posts about how much every single article of clothing he's wearing and <laughs> where to go get the Kanye fit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and he's been aware of that for at least 10 years, Yeah, at least, at least 10 years. Um, so it's his response. And this is where I drew the line, but this is why I drew the line with him before this Jesus is King shit is like, yes, like it's different than it used to be. And if, if you're going through shit or whatever, like, people didn't used to be under the same level of scrutiny that you're under now because your their eyes are always there. Yeah. But at the same time, dog, you know those eyes are there. So you have to take that responsibility for your actions. I think that is easier said than done. I I definitely do. Because I definitely agree that it's easier said than done. If you have to second guess every bit of what you're doing when you step out into the world, one that's incredibly stressful. But there are people that do dip off. Yeah. And you don't hear every word that they say. And you don't see them every time they go yeah. to the grocery store. And he chooses to not be one of those people. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm saying. It's still possible. Yeah. But he is Kanye West. And he has worked his whole life to be Kanye West. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, his ego would not have been satisfied if unless he was Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Um, and his art is his art because he's Kanye West. But, like, you're on this stage, dog. You got to... You gotta, Act accordingly and understand the impact that your words and actions have on other people. But then again, there's nobody currently in the place that he's occupies in terms of the cross section of music and pop culture. 
Right. Like he Which is have... why he has to be more careful. Than <laughs> not, you know what I'm saying? And I, yeah. I get it. And it's, I'm not, I don't want anybody to control Kanye, but I want him to understand that like he hurts people with his behaviors. That's interesting. What do you mean? I mean, him saying that slavery was a choice on television uh, hurt okay. a lot of people. Sure. Right, you're saying prior to this, but even this hurts a lot of people yeah. because it comes from, it, it comes off as disingenuous and, and I mean, obviously slavery is something that's a big deal to, should be a big deal to anybody in the world, should definitely be a big deal to anybody in this country and obviously mm -hmm. to any of Kanye's fans. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's a big, it's something that people take seriously. The thing that people take more seriously than slavery is fucking Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like people take Jesus and God more seriously than they take anything. Mm. The people that take it seriously. I, I would argue and say the people that take uh, Muhammad and Allah. Well, I'm saying God. Take period. that seriously. Like we'll take. <laughs> I know. Jesus, I know what you're saying. But their yeah. religion and their their faith, whatever that shape. You know, it's like the most important thing to a lot of people. For period, sure. Period. Yeah. And they think about it every day. Of course. Um, so to play with that shit and not be careful with how you treat it is very irresponsible. Yeah. And I guess my, and you brought up a valid point. Um, you were saying that it's because he says he believes this and yet he is still being sacrilegious. Right. Potentially. Yeah. If he was, you know what I'm saying? Like if he if was he just going his Kanye shit, talking yep. his wild out shit, not trying yep. to pretend to be born like super do everything the way you're, you know what I mean? If yeah. he wasn't pretending to be this new person, then he could say shit that wasn't exactly in line with blah, blah, blah. And it would be okay. But if you, I don't know, man, if you're going to wear the hat, then play the part. I don't, I don't, it's, I hear you. It just comes off as, as very selfish. Well, yeah, I think that's something that anybody can agree with. Um, musically, would you say where where does the album sit? I mean, it's not top five or top six. Yeah, and he's only got ten. What is this trend of the shorter? I feel like it's they almost feel like vignettes. So I don't think it's a trend. I think it's Kanye not finishing his music. Right, but I feel like other artists have not everybody. Okay, <laughs> no. <laughs> It's it was a trend because Kanye did it last summer, but yeah. artists have been making EPs forever. No, and no, no. I'm saying even shorter song structure to where the songs feel like well, like snippets of what could be a really good radio, structured song. Radio music has been moving into shorter and shorter, especially hip hop. Yeah, shorter and shorter and shorter tracks with hook verse hook verse over, mm -hmm. or you know what I'm saying, verse hook verse hook or hook verse hook, and then that's it. Yeah, like. When I'm, that's definitely something that I've noticed like DJing is that there's a lot of tracks under three minutes. There's tracks, there's like more tracks than I've ever seen before that are under two minutes. Yeah. Um, so for, for a lot to of those, attention spans too, I guess. For sure. I mean, you can almost fit a whole song in an Instagram post now. But how long is Old Town Road? Uh, which version? Uh, the original. That's well, what I'm saying. The original version that doesn't have Billy Ray Cyrus on it. I bet it's short as hell. Yeah. Well, because. You know, I think it is popular for obvious reasons, but then also because it does have a more standard song structure because it feels like a whole song. You looking up how long it is? Yeah. Do you want to slide out of the sunlight? <laughs> I see it creeping on you. Yeah, it's my right eye. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mic skid, y'all. 
five dollars to anybody who can tell me what note that was. <laughs> mm, mm. You have perfect pitch, Kevin. <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know what it is. Can I find the original? That's what perfect pitch is, is knowing what the note is. I think it's three and a half minutes. The original one? Yeah. You think so? I do. Is it even on iTunes? Is the original even on iTunes? Uh, I'm a Spotify person. I don't have is iTunes. Is the original even on Spotify? The one with Billy Ray. See, there's just like so many horses on here. This is crazy. <laughs> this version is, how long is this? He did run through. This version with Billy Ray Cyrus is two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes. That's with, with a whole extra person on it. That's interesting. That's what I'm saying. Music is just shorter. So, yeah, he created a lot of trends, but I, I'm not going to give him that one. Yeah. You're, so you, you think that that didn't start with him? Hell no. Because I feel like it did. Short songs on Life of Pablo, and then I feel like the nah, bro, no way. Uh, I cannot give it to Kanye West for making songs that are two and a half minutes long. He's at least that's a, part a radio. Of it. No, that's a radio standard thing, man. Because I feel like when Ye, it's came to get out, it in the rotation. So all you can those albums were so short. Yeah, but Ye like didn't he didn't finish any of the music on Ye. Yeah. What do you mean finished though? Because I think that there's he, just like notes that are, it's just not done, bro. Like listen to graduation and then listen to yay yes. and tell me that he finished making it. Right. Ye. That's what I think as well. But like, is there this larger trend of saying, Hey, that works, you know, like putting out a minute and a half song for, so that is something that works for radio and for streaming. Yeah. Because you get of more money spans, yeah. and you, can, you get, more, get money. more, you get more plays. Yeah, that's been you've been people have been making two and a half minute radio songs forever, hmm. forever, it, forever. Yeah, well, I the standard would be three. I feel right, like, but yeah, but I'm saying like we used to look at songs that are five minutes as like Jesus, this song is really really long. Yeah, it's only really long if your average is like two minutes. That's a good point. You know what I mean? It's. I remember being in a band and being like. Oh my god, this one clocks. Yeah, he in just at used to he used to let the beat ride. Like he used to do a lot of shit. So yeah. his songs used to be longer, but they're just shorter now because he doesn't have to do as much. And uh You mean fix that shit? No, it's cool. I'm good. I'm just gonna move like No, I'll pull it down. No, now. look, 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 look. I'm not gonna be here that much longer that the light's gonna travel another eight inches to hit me in the face. We're good. The anti studio has open windows. He's gotta get that solar heat. Yeah, I gotta get that solar heat. I gotta get that locked off. No You're basically daylight. Elon Musk of St. Louis, which is not saying much. <laughs> Kevin, I make Ke a bottle opener. Yeah, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin invented a beer bottle that you can shoot into space and it'll come back down without breaking. <laughs> um, the, you know, what do you, f like, when you talk about people not knowing, and, and you were talking about the merch that he was putting out as well and how he might have stolen the artwork from another artist on Instagram. I mean, to be real, he like he that's not he he probably didn't even design the shirt. Yeah. Like he might not even know that it's stolen. That's a good point. No, that's a real thing cuz a be lot of Virgil's these, fault, right? Well, not Virgil anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Virgil ain't doing that petty shit for Kanye anymore. <laughs> I had um I I the problem with it is is that when new stuff like that comes out, even his album it feels wrong and it feels like bad and like cheap and not well done. But then the fact that it feels bad makes you think about it more. And this is a lot of conversations I had with a graphic design friend of mine. 
And then the more you think about it, you're like, shit, that's actually kind of cool. And then when he put out the sweatshirts that have just the type from the record on them. Yeah, they I'm look like, clean. I'm like, that's actually cool. Yeah, but... But the pixelated Jesus and the Jesus socks... I just, I can't give him my money, bro. No, I'm not going to buy them, but I think it's interesting from a larger perspective of kind of viewing a trend that's going on. Have you seen any of that Virgil Ikea shit? Yeah, man, I really thought about going up to Ikea yesterday. Yeah, to flip it or to actually no, buy it? No, man, to it. buy it, to buy it, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not really into that. I like nice things. Uh, I do too, but like <laughs> I know house. there was... Uh, I did a uh, podcast with my buddy who's a collector, Sid, and he had that keep off dude, Virgil rug. this shit is tight. The funny thing is, is that you can go to Ikea and buy Virgil's marker at line at ikea and then sell it on stock x for a profit i know because there are towns that people don't have ikea yeah or there's towns where people had to work when they launched it and could right. go to ikea and buy and it so then but, they'll pay yeah right now about sixty two hundred dollars more than what it's selling for more than that bro in some instances like the, i've looked it up <laughs> <laughs> so you are i'm totally aware of tentatively this interested in yeah, I mean, I, I wear fancy shoes, man. I've, I've bought oh, I know. a lot of shoes off of that app, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's just is what it is. That's the invisible hand. The what? The invisible hand, bro. What do you mean? The magic floating invisible hand of supply and demand that uh, sets the price of how much something's actually worth. I like this. I didn't make that up. I know you didn't, but it sounds like Franco like, economics. He's like, damn, Franco actually Francoonomics. might know some things. <laughs> I know you know some things. That's why you're on the podcast. That's why, that's why we're on the podcast. That's Motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, again, that whole... Uh, a lot of stuff that I end up uh, initially not being a fan of, it slowly grows on me, and then I'm like, fuck, that was actually great. Yeah. And that's how I've always kind of taken the things. Um, that's how I feel about Yeezus. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, and in... Uh, this this crosses like cinema, uh, sure. literature, music. Like I remember, uh, some stuff is trash though, Kevin. Some stuff is trash, but like I like when you have an initial. I don't even know if it was a negative response, but like it's a uncomfortable, response, uncomfortable, response. or un, or not sure how you're supposed to respond to it. Sure, and I can think of. Uh, a, a few key moments where that's happened in my life. One was like Pulp Fiction. When I, the first time I watched Pulp Fiction, really, I, you know, it was such a, you know, I was probably 18, 19. Um, and the plot was so foreign. I guess that's a yeah. great way to put it. It felt so foreign that I'm like, I don't even know what I just watched. Well, it's probably one of the first movies you saw with nonlinear storytelling. Yeah. I, I would think say it probably is for almost most everybody. People. Yeah. I can't yeah. think of, a lot of, and I'm sure there is. Well, Citizen Kane, but I don't know if I saw that before or after. I would feel like Citizen Kane might be one of the first that had nonlinear story. For people telling. my age, maybe like Memento is another one. Great, great example. Um, but that's even a lot more linear than it's easier to it's understand. Just reverse linear. It's both. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But yeah, it's a lot easier to follow once you get what's going on than Pulp yeah. Fiction is. You you really have to like think about that whole movie and analyze it to understand the especially like i remember the the moment that came when um 
uh, John Travolta's in Bruce Willis's bathroom. That's like the, yeah. And you're like, what the, f- how is he still alive? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, eventually these foreign things, you start to slowly peel them back like a fucking onion. And then you're like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Um, music wise, which is especially timely right now, would be Rage Against the Machine. I remember the first time I heard them, it felt awful. Really? Because I was like this good Christian boy. Oh, sure. And I had not heard anything like this. And it's like, you know, killing in the name of, you know, the just the repetition that I don't even know if you're any sort of a Rage fan whatsoever. I used to I used to mess with Rage heavy, well, a bit heavier when I was in high school. Sure. Um, for sure. Same. And then I saw him in New Orleans when I lived down there, like for one of their last like shows before they stopped being Rage or whatever. When I think one of the... 2009 or something, or well, 2007 or eight. One of the things about Rage is that like it shouldn't be good. You know, it's like it came along. I guess historically you think about it as rap rock. And like I can't think of much rap rock that has aged very well. But then if you look at when Rage came out, it was um, 93. So Rage is heavy, but a lot of people don't give them the credit for being funky super that's funky. why it works well it's super that's funky. why eminem doesn't work anymore is yeah, that he's, he's not, not funky, funky anymore, at all but he used to be crazy funky he did delivery. man his old albums with like um but yeah i mean that's a that's a whole other story eminem's trash now but he is trash uh, rage rage like tom morello is a funky super funky player. and he melded it like the whole thing is is that like the the reason why profits of rage has not worked out is because it's all of these disparate uh, aspects that come together to form something better than what it would be by themselves. Yeah. And like you even get be real and Chuck D with the band from rage still doesn't work. No. It still does. It's still corny. Yeah. But you bring Zach back in and all of a sudden all of that shit works, you know, and it, it's exciting. And they just announced that they're going to be 20 uh, doing 2020 dates. Yeah. I saw that. And it's like, fuck, like this is awesome. Perfect timing re-election year yeah they have something to say you know and it's um i'm excited by it and i can't wait to like like i'm i missed out on it when they did it the last time and i'm definitely not going to do that this time even if it's just trying to like pay homage to uh you know kevin kevin baby calf 15 20 years ago yeah that's what's up so i'm pumped about that let's see i got this list um jeffrey epstein have you been paying attention to that shit? <laughs> no, I've been paying attention to all the memes. Well, it's the, it's relevant again because they had this third party back up. Yeah, they had the third party um, uh, autopsy specialist Ooh. who's known for doing like Prince's autopsy Ooh. and Michael Brown's autopsy. Find? He said, "There's no way it's not uh, homicidal." Yeah, there's no way he. Killed he said, "There's himself. no way he didn't kill himself." And so it's kind of this past week, everybody's all back in the hole. Wait, wait. He's saying he was definitely killed by someone else. He was definitely killed by someone else. It was not suicidal. For sure. And it's just fascinating. And then I also saw a video where people stormed his private island. This independent, um, Mm. you know, one of these independent journalists that has come about, I think his name's Luke Rudkowski. He went on to Jeffrey Epstein's private island and was just running around filming shit. Oh shit! And then news news um, outlets started picking up on it and showing like Epstein had a temple, 
like a weird, like kind of um, almost parody temple. You know, have you ever seen? Mm-hmm. You ever see Dragnet made the remake mm-hmm. with? No, I didn't see the Dan no. Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. <laughs> no. oh, it's fucking awesome. But it's like a almost like a Hollywood idea of what cults are like. That's crazy. So he's got this temple. He's got all these secret entrances, all these weird statues. And then eventually they had to run off the island because they were being chased by uh, people Private security, security that's still on the island. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's just like, all, this is a story that I think is so fascinating because it's so obvious what's going on. Yeah. It's taking the idea of conspiracies and it's such a badly executed conspiracy that anyone can obviously see what is going on. Yeah. And yet it's still trying to be swept under the news cycle rug, but yeah. people are still bringing it back up to say, yeah, he didn't kill himself. And are, is literally yeah. like everybody just going to say, okay, like, yeah, he was a creep fucking creepy dude. It's, it's really crazy, bro. Like this, we, we could open a door right now in this conversation, Kevin, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, to where like I'll miss this gig that I have tonight, but you can't miss it. No, I can't miss it. Uh, shout out to Mastermind. Um, yes, but when I moved home from New Orleans in like 2010, yeah, um, I was just like incredibly depressed because I didn't want to be back in St. Louis, and none of my friends were here, and blah 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 blah. And you moved back. You want to talk about why you moved back, or uh, we can get into that on the next one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to talk about something specific right now. Okay. Uh, so I spent like when I was on the road, like before I moved home, somebody showed me like the Zeitgeist documentary. Oh yeah, you know of what I'm course. Saying? It just, on like, Google fucked my shit up. Yeah. And so I like spent my first like year, year and a half at the crib back in St. Louis, like learning to make beats really well, learning to roll blunts really well and figuring out what the fuck was going on in my reality. You know what I'm saying? And um, like this whole shit, like it's so clear that it's just another one of the grand dark secrets. Something fucked up is going on that Mm -hmm. we can't let get out and blah, blah, blah. It's just so obvious, but I gave it, I gave I gave up hope a long time ago that like <laughs> these things will ever not just get swept under the rug because the we'll joke about it. Like we will still have memes. That's like jet fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like damn near 20 years after nine 11. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the, that was the one. Sure. But now it's, you know, if, if we can, if, if that, if, yeah, like if if we can just like have a whole extra building fall down in the middle of Manhattan for no reason, like we can definitely say this dude killed himself. Yeah. Well, that that's that's all. It's just are like you saying you're a truther. I'm saying I don't know what happened on 9/11, dog. Yeah. I'm saying best case scenario, we knew some shit was going to happen and we took advantage of an opportunity that presented itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that's pretty bad. Um anyway, I'm still watching the sun. Yeah, no, it's creeping. That shit is moving across. Me, I, I got to pull back. No, it's cool. I'm no, just in it because you're just going to keep creeping. No, off I, I, I got to go in a few minutes, man. In a few minutes? I do, bro. What's I have to be at the sound check at five. What? Yeah. I thought two hours was going to be enough time. I can uh, be a little late. It's 10 to five. That's what, And so I said in a few minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a little bit longer. Um we still have at least four topic points that four more topics. Yeah. All right. We got this. So anyway, do you need to take a break to text mastermind? No. All right, bro. All right. 
The show's a seven. Yeah, you're good. Mo is the latest person in the world. <laughs> he can wait a few more minutes. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's probably not even there. No. Um, anyway, yeah. So we were talking about, you asked me if I was a truther. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. I just know it's not what they said happened. And that's all that it comes down to for me. Yeah. Is it's just not what you told me. Because what you told me is impossible. Right. There was no plane in the dirt in Pennsylvania. Yeah. There was no parts of a plane in the dirt outside the Pentagon. Yeah. Well, there were no like real big parts of a plane. Planes can't as much as we like would love to believe in science fiction movies that like things just vaporize mm -hmm. like that doesn't fucking happen on earth. Right. Things don't vaporize. Yeah. It doesn't happen. So like a, a, if, if a plane crashes into the dirt because some people did some heroic shit mm -hmm. and kept a plane from going to wherever the fuck they said it was going, then the plane's going to be in the dirt when we get there. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Is it just, there's too many things like that that I just, I don't, I'm not going to pretend that I know what happened. I'm not yeah. going to pretend to say that Bush did this or Cheney did that. I'm just going to say whatever happened is not what you told us happened. And for that's sure. fundamentally a big problem for me. Yeah. So... Um, anybody that's playing the game is not worth trusting, right. if you ask me. Yeah. Because if they were playing the game back then and they're still playing the game, yep. then they're full of shit, period. Yep. And um, so I just did nothing like this Jeffrey Epstein shit. Like, what surprises me is that, like, they got caught up. Yeah. It's not that there was some fuck shit going on. Um, but nevertheless, like, it's not going to surprise me if this shit goes away. Agree. It just gets swept under. It's like and there will be memes about it. You know what I'm saying? And if you follow memes account on Instagrams, you're going to think that maybe it hasn't gone away, but it's sure going to go away. Because anybody that is going to be in a position to, to actually do something about it is going to be full of shit. Yeah. And that's really where it comes down to for me. Yeah, it's like I look at it. Anytime I think of a conspiracy theory, I always say it's the third option. You know, it's the one, there's the readily explained version that yeah. is official. There's the conspiracy theory. And then there's like the third option that is maybe somewhere in the middle that isn't really that interesting or, it, or yeah. it might not be either one. Yeah. It might just be some really boring shit that people thought they figured out wrong. And yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think as, as all those old Greek dudes used to say, like just acknowledge you don't really know. Yeah. And you're going to be in a little bit better shape. Yeah, exactly. And remind, remain like kind of stoic about things. Don't get so caught up in it. Don't put too much self-worth in these things. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the lesson that I learned after a year and a half of like driving myself nuts is just like, <laughs> uh, you know, like this, this may be going on, but like, I can't like let it consume my thoughts. Like I still no. got my life to live and do this shit that I want to do. Well, I kind of liken it to, to coming out of religion and yeah, when I, Started, you know, the first, I remember, dude, 9-11, uh, the day it happened, went to my philosophy class and my teacher, an amazing human being uh, who I hope to have on the podcast soon, uh, said, this isn't the worst thing that could happen. And it was yeah. just such uh, antithetical to what everybody was expressing. For sure. And he's like, he's like, I know you're upset. I'm glad that you made it to class. I think that you should come to class. He's like, but this is not the worst thing that could happen. 
He's like, this was more of a symbolic gesture. Yeah, for sure. If they wanted to really harm the country on a wide scale, they would have attacked our water supply or, you know, electromagnetic pulse. And he said that, and then we also began to get into things about Christianity and religion, yada, yada, yada. And when you come out of something that you think is true, or at least have doubts about it, you you get this like um, almost secondary sort of uh, proselytizing to where you're like, I gotta tell everybody. Yeah, like you saw you saw That's Zeitgeist. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you're like, I gotta tell I bro, have you seen Zeitgeist? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's just like, wow, my family thinks I'm insane now. Yes, and it's just like, well, that's not the move. This is not something to talk about at dinner. No, <laughs> you know no, and it's like I again, I had this very slow realization over the ten years of coming out of religion that, like, you know, number one, I'm not really trying to bring this into the the conversation, but my family knows that I'm not going to church anymore. They want to talk right. about it. Emotions get inflamed because when you discuss something that somebody holds so true to them, such as a faith in an idea, and you're telling them that you don't hold that same faith anymore the conversation leaves rationality and it becomes kind of a metaphor for your relationship with these people. Yeah. And it's something that can dissolve relationships really easily. Like, you know, I agree. And the, the, the answer to that is to develop just a skeptical, healthy, skeptical mindset and to also disassociate your emotions and your love for a person from the facts that you're trying to explain to each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And that way you can have any conversation you want. It can be sex, politics, everything, you know, everything that's taboo with realizing almost 100% of the time that you're talking that I still love this person. And that is not what we're discussing. Right. Um, and so I think that like when we talk about the zeitgeist and 9-11 and truth and, and religion and thoughts on certain things, you just have to like almost remain detached not care too much about it, but care enough to have a conversation about these things to, you know, I don't know, to, to, to just for the sake of, um, human thought and inquiry and curiosity. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't, you shouldn't fuck up your relationships over, over steel beams. (laughs) No, for sure. Uh, let's switch gears. Um, I thought something that was super fucking funny that happened this week was that, D&D, also known as David Benioff and oh, David yeah. Weiss, dropped off of the Star Wars... The, the, the next trilogy. The next trilogy in order to focus on their Netflix deal movies. And I could be wrong about this, but the whole reason that they kind of rushed the final season of Game of Thrones... Was to get into Star Wars. Was to get into Star Wars. And it's so funny to me because... <laughs> like, it, it just goes to show like... They're not that They're great. trash, They're bro. Not, it's They're all, trash. It was all that one Jobbit, you know the hut looking dude you know that wrote these beautiful that's stories. That's what I'm saying. And you know who's directing the new shit with him? Oh boy, that did all the best episodes of Game of Thrones. The dude that did oh, yeah. all, Miguel Sapochnik, that yes. did all the Battle of the Bands. And he, they're bringing, they're trying to bring He's directing in, uh, the new shit. The guy that does the soundtrack for Westworld, Rajan. And the original Game of Thrones. Yep, yep. Yeah. He wrote so, the original theme song. This new show is probably going to be pretty fire. We may never actually get the last books. Yeah. But if this new show's fire, that's what's up. Well, it's just so funny. It's like, all right, so what are they going to do at Netflix? That's going to be another two years, didn't three they years work, Didn't one of them work on Gemini Man too? 
I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, and everybody thinks that movie's trash. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, props to Ang Lee, who I think is an amazing director. Yeah, and I mean, I think technology's cool too, but like we should probably make a good movie <laughs> You have instead. a good story behind it as well. <laughs> Which is like Crouching Tiger, a Hidden Dragon was dialing back. That was an amazing example of new technology with an amazing story behind it. You remember it. when Ang Lee made a Hulk movie though? Yeah, with uh, wait, did with he Eric do Eric Bana? Oh, he did the Eric Bana yeah, one. Yeah, with the like the really green one. Yeah, so like <laughs> honestly, the that film is super interesting. They've done some things in comic book uh, in that Hulk movie that they've never done in any. You're other talking comic about like books. the comic panel style editing. Yep, I thought that was tight. It was super tight, and it was uh, prior, obviously, to any kind of you know Marvel universe. Um, yeah, for sure. And it was, uh, I think that was an important movie in like bridging the gap between comics and the comic book. They were still figuring it out for sure. Totally figuring it out. But it was artful. It felt really interesting to me. No, they made it a comic book ass movie for sure. Yeah. I I want to rewatch that actually. Um, Probably won't be that good. Yeah. I was going to say, let me know how that goes. Probably probably hasn't (laughs) aged that well. Yeah. Do, uh, man, speaking of film, I am amped on this director, Ari Aster. And he directed Hereditary yeah, and Midsummer. I haven't seen either one. You've got to watch these. I just like, yeah, I know. I just. He's the new Kubrick. <sighs> He's that good. He's that fucking good. Damn. Like every scene of these films is packed. Midsummer's like on sale right now on iTunes too. Should I buy a license? I don't know because <laughs> you won't own it. I'll own the license. <laughs> but they can take it from that's the why I, That's why I said, should I buy a license? I know. This, is a, this is a classic Franco-Kevin Kelly conversation. Did you know that if you buy something on iTunes, <laughs> you don't actually own it, Kevin? <laughs> I know that. Without you actually just own the license to play it? Because what happened? You had a movie that you bought on iTunes and then disappeared? No, that didn't happen to me. Oh, it happened to a friend of ours? Or? Must have. No. No, actually, iTunes doesn't. They're pretty good about not doing that shit. Like, if you've bought an app that has been removed from the App Store, you can still go redownload it in your purchase yeah. history. It'll still be like an old, out of date version of it, of course. But I think that was like a year ago that there was all these news reports saying, like, oh, I bought these movies on iTunes and I don't and own them anymore. They're any. gone. Yeah. Because iTunes lost the license to them. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. And it so didn't happen to you me. You lose the license. Yeah, it didn't happen to me. That's so weird. Couldn't be me. Uh, you know that kind of imagine you know, losing your license. Plus, today. Apple just launched their new TV series or TV Apple, network Apple TV Plus. Yeah, yeah. My TV told me about that, and then <laughs> my other it? TV told me about that. No, I didn't get it yet. You're not gonna. I'll, get I'll it. see what it's talking about. But man, how much money do I have? Like, goddamn, <laughs> it's only sixty bucks a year. Okay, and how much is Netflix? I don't is have really it either, about. To, they're about Netflix is about to get cut, bro. If I'm keeping it a, a, all the way, yeah, hundred. Um, because you know, my bougie ass got a big TV, a 4k joint. Netflix makes you pay for the family plan to stream 4k movies. Oh really? So I have to pay for like the four screens at once joint just to watch super. What's HD that? Stuff. 16? Yeah. It's like okay. 16 bucks a month or something. Hey, that's kind of a lot when you got other things. Cause HBO's out here hitting you over the head for like what? 10, 10 or 12 oh. or something. Yeah. And HBO gives me much better content. Isn't it? Fun- it's not as much content, but yeah. it's better. Isn't it funny though how like there was this glory period of leaving cable, cable, and yeah. then streaming networks coming around, 
Like you're only paying like well, 10, the, 15 bucks. A what month. happened, man, was we don't talk about this, but during those glory, you know, those glory years, bro, it was still really easy to bootleg shit. That's true. It has gotten much harder to bootleg shit over yeah. the last couple of years. You have to have a, well, you have to have another subscription to a VPN. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be like invited to a fucking torrent site that's worth a damn. Yeah. Like, and I just don't do it anymore. I just buy shit. Like and you bitch. have to also, I remember the one way aspect of torrenting was the problem. Mm. Like you could download as much as you wanted, but you but, can't share with people. And if you did that, then you had a, you had the potential to get fucked. Exactly. Yeah. Now that's something I was happy. I understood from the beginning because yeah. I never let anybody get my shit. No, but I mean, then there's a lot of like a lot of those underground, like invite only torrent sites. You had to have a good ratio to stay on the site. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. Well, then the internet service providers start cracking down on them, and I'm like, I don't want to... I remember getting a letter from Disney like once a month, and did it was you? just like, nothing would ever happen. They'd be like, did you download <laughs> the Frog Princess, Michael? Disney emailed you or your internet? No, it was like, like it's like, like Charter being like, oh, okay. hey, yo, we heard you we, we heard you bootlegged like 50 Stevie Wonder records. Did you download day. the Frog Prince? <laughs> <laughs> I did. When I lived in New Orleans, we bootlegged it to watch it because it was like, you know what I'm saying? We lived in New Orleans. It was like a Louisiana ass, blah, blah, blah. You know, what is the, I don't even know what the Frog Prince is. It's a, it's the, it's the first Disney movie with a, a black female protagonist and it's, she's like a princess. It's like the Frog Prince. Yeah. Where she kisses a, frog and blah 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 it's Is like it, that fairy tale you know that, disney just does fairy tales yeah kissing the frog that's uh um what story the frog it? prince that's, it's called the frog prince yeah i feel like it's a different one yeah it's about like a frog that turns into a a prince that turns into a frog because he gets like a spell cast on him and he's got to find like a woman that'll like love him yeah and then she kisses him to turn him back into a prince okay it's yeah. like a riff on that it's just an old fairy tale yeah, they, yeah it's just a bunch of bullshit but yeah, they made one and it was set in Louisiana type shit. And so oh, we lived in New Orleans, you know what I'm saying? Want to watch a Disney movie with an impressionable college girl because you were an impressionable college guy? <laughs> the wrong princess. I wasn't watching that shit. <laughs> I was bootlegging it. <laughs> I have to look it up now. The Frog Princess. Are you looking it up? No. What are you doing? I'm just getting text messages <laughs> saying where you at. Yeah. <laughs> We can cut it off soon. Um, uh, it's probably good for our first one. What else, what else is on the list, though? You got to tell me what well, else. Well, I is wrote on the down. List. Let me see. Um, we pretty much touched everything. I wanted to uh, have air, new Just AirPods like Epstein. written about um, the new AirPods. Yeah, I have the Beats ones. I, I don't play with that AirPod shit. Anymore. Yeah, I don't do that either. I feel that they're pretty damn douchey. AirPod? Do you think they're douchey? I think I they're do, just yeah. technology, Kevin. I think that yeah, you I, just I, think they're douchey because you don't have them on. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, I never had a Bluetooth earpiece either because I thought those were super, like, the jawbone. But it's different. It's different. So I think AirPods are different than those jawbone things. One, because a jawbone thing, you were just using it to talk on the phone. Yeah. And if you wore that motherfucker around, you were really like, I'm I'm pretty important. I need to talk to people. (laughs) People need to get a hold of me. (laughs) AirPods, it's like I'm listening to my music. It's no different than walking around with headphones on. a symbol. And like the wired uh, pods or what are they even calling ear pods? Yeah, those aren't because they you got them for free, right? But I'm just and saying, still Kevin. Good. Like, but motherfuckers wear nice headphones. Like people have been spending a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars on headphones forever. Yeah. Well, they're three hundred bucks, right? Ear pods. Well, the, not the 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 last joints. The original ones were like one fifty, one sixty, or something. Oh, okay. 
I thought they were like 300. The brand new like AirPod Pros are like 250 or the yeah. Beats joints that I have, you know, <laughs> are real expensive. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just think it's just technology moving, man. Like it's just technology moving. Like obviously people that get shit first, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of in a special place right now. I got my brand new iPhone 11 Pro yeah. with the three cameras and my blah, blah, blah. But Have I you also, heard about that triphobia thing with the three lenses? What, people are afraid of the number three and they can't have this camera? No, no, no. They're afraid because it looks like a, um, it looks like an animal from nature. And so, like, it's intrinsically scary because it looks like, I don't know, spider eyes. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Or something. People. No, it's a... I, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Then I can get a bunch of pictures of people looking terrified and super HD. <laughs> I'm saying that portrait mode of people being intrinsically scared. Um, you're taking a headshot of me right now. I was curious if you would be willing to do the album artwork for this podcast. Oh, yeah? In your traditional Photoshop me method. Do you like this? Not really. No. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Because I, I kind of... Well, remember when you were doing your show flyers and you were kind of taking whatever was happening that week? Oh, yeah. I think that'd be funny to do for a culture update uh, or whatever yeah, we call it. we can this. do that. I think it's a good idea. We can do that. I can definitely do that. We I've take, kind of, we take I've everything that we've talked so about it. with my flyers, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, you're just stealing other people's artwork like Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm making... Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> No, it looks good. I like those. I'm just getting old, uh, like science fiction pulp magazine uh, covers. Yeah, and then just using them with my name, and I made like a fake rated R label. Yes, and I just make it every time. I made it the exact dimensions of the biggest Instagram. Did you just post. find a library online or something. I just uh, so I found an artist, like a specific mm. person that I stole from for about a year, uh, <laughs> uh, an artist named Virgil Finlay. And if his if his signature was on the thing, I tried to make sure that it was visible. Sure. Um, but dude just had some super crazy, like science fiction, uh, paintings and also etchings. Nice. Um, he did like a ton of those magazines that like L. Ron Hubbard used to write for before he invented oh, really? religion and shit. Cause you know, he used to be an the author. most pro, not just Scientific. an author, the science most fiction author. prolific science yes. sci-fi writer because they used to get paid by the word. So he would just, he's really good at just coming up with bullshit. Oh yeah. He wrote somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, I want to say it's like 700 books. Like talk about another just like incredibly obvious conspiracy that oh, we're just gosh. like. <laughs> I got a fact. That's the only thing the, I'm fact checking. The mo oh man, I'm going to start getting letters and fucking creepers at my door for bringing that up. L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah. <laughs> and, and how Scientology is a conspiracy. I did a thesis project um, when I was in college and it was called The God Project. And what I did was come up with a list of questions and I would go to all sorts of religious people and ask them the same 10 questions. Damn, what's that? We, we should end our podcast with you asking me the God questions. Oh, I don't even know where they're at. But um, Sorry to get everybody excited. <laughs> this is a long time ago, my friend. Uh, I'm trying to find his bibliography. So you're, so you're basically like Bill Maher in that movie, Religious. <laughs> yes, but not as funny. Hey, let me just go be really disrespectful to you in the one place you hold most sacred. <laughs> <laughs> that was the problem with that movie. That was the problem. One hundred percent. And the he problem. was only interviewing fringe psychos. That was that was the problem with that movie. I like Bill Maher is a, is a person okay. that I tend to agree with, but I don't agree with well, the way that he goes about spreading his. I, I go in waves with him because 
there are a lot of things that he phrases very interestingly and he's got you know he he's got quite the ego for sure oh yeah massive but i was watching politically incorrect for a while and then you just get kind of tired of him talking yeah i agree but then he'll come back around and he'll, he'll put out an internet clip like damn and it's like bill's back at fire. it fire yeah he's killing yeah. it again but he's just kind of a dick um according to the church of scientology hubbard produced 65 million words on Dianetics and Scientology contain in about a half a million pages of written material, 3,000 recorded lectures, and 100 films. 3,000 recorded lectures. His works of fiction included some 500 novels and short stories. That, like, that's basically a creative dude. It's Who's all, so no, prolific, he became a religion. All of it was fiction, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> that number you just said at the end was way too low. Well, what all I was... Of, all of it's fiction. So, that's true. That's 500 not, novels and short stories. So for this God project, I went to the Church of Scientology in, in the, the loop. loop. And I uh, went in just completely unknowing, just some turd. I was young, too. I was only 20. And Did you get an e-reading? I got an e-reading. Um, where you hold the um, the Amazon Kindle? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, was, it felt like one of those body fat analysis kind of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just the two like tin can. Yeah, like you know how it has the aluminum sensors or the stainless steel sensors on the mm-hmm. side, and they wouldn't give me the full e-reading because I was doing it for investigative mm. you know, purposes. But they had me like plug in, and then they asked me some questions. And like kind of baseline questions. And then they asked me a question just like, do you like apples? And while you're answering, they're like, did you see it move? And I said, kind of, I guess. I don't know. What's the greater purpose of this? Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's measuring, you know. An emotional response. An emotional response. And then they have this whole chart of emotional, yada, yada, yada. Eventually, I got to do my interview with whoever was the senior person there. Yeah. And I can't remember the structure off the top of my head. But I just had this interview with them and, um, you know, they said whack shit. And sure. and I interpreted, you know, I was only 20, so I didn't really necessarily understand all their, all the things they were even saying in the first place. Sure. Um, but it was, the, the general idea of the God Project was interesting to see how evangelicals, Catholics, New Age priests, uh, Scientologists, imams, from the Muslim religion would respond and then compare and contrast everything. Sure. Um, but that was my first interaction with Scientology until I, just, I watched The Master with P.T. Anderson. Man, I, <laughs> uh, by P. T. Anderson. I do everything I can to not interact with Scientology. I my, my main interactions with them are like walking past their kiosk yeah. where they're selling Dianetics and being like, oh, those... That's those fucking yeah, Scientology's yeah, yeah. people, man. I can't believe they're allowed to have a kiosk here. Well, they're just new Mormons. <laughs> man... That's all they are. Bro went into the woods and an <laughs> alien came and gave him the third testament. Uh, an angel. The angel more and I. Oh, he wasn't an alien? It wasn't an alien. Oh, I heard it was an alien. No, he, it was when Joseph Smith was 17, the angel more and I came and spoke to him. And uh, either Joseph Smith or the angel put it down onto these tablets. And have you, do you know this at all? The, the, like the more no, I mean, story? I thought it was aliens came and gave him the third testament. No, it wasn't aliens. <laughs> No, it was an angel. and (laughs) That shows you how it's been represented to me. (laughs) But here's the thing. So, like, he was um, illiterate 
Oh, yeah? And he met this farmer that believed in him and believed that he had received these tablets from the angel Moroni. And he had the, the farmer transcribe them while Joseph Smith was in a room that the farmer couldn't see the tablets. And Joseph Smith was translating them to the farmer. But he couldn't read. But he couldn't read and writing them down. And then the farmer's wife got pissed off, took the tablets, broke them, and Joseph Smith left and then came back. We'll have to fact check this. Yeah. But more or less, that's kind of like the outline of the, of the uh, origins of Mormonism. Okay. And Scientology is basically like one of the newest religions, but all it did was say, hey, you know, we're not going to have all this crazy angel stuff. We're just going to blend it with how you feel as a human being. But and then incorporate a bunch of science fiction that Elrond already wrote that we keep behind the curtain, <laughs> right? You know, like we're just going to help you get to the emotional root of these problem problems because it seems a lot just like it's it's like a form of like basic like trauma therapy. Yes, where they're just like, oh, what makes the needle move? Okay, let's try and talk about the thing that makes exactly. the needle move until the needle doesn't move. And anymore. you do that for a long time until then they start to unveil yeah. all the. But insanity. Then they start. Yeah, they they and you give them money and they give you money and then they're like, okay, so here's the deal. Yeah. You used to be on this planet, bro, and this planet <laughs> was fucked, right? So we sh- like shot everybody out in the space through like, yeah, with nuclear bombs and volcanoes and sent your souls to Earth and we got to get the bad souls off of us that ruined the last planet. Planet Xenu's out here being Xenu. Did you ever see Battlefield Earth? Fuck no, I didn't see yeah, that. Me neither. Like, man, <laughs> god damn. <laughs> we no. should we should we should we should do a screening. We'll do a Battlefield Earth a watch party. Before we do the next culture check. What we should that'll be what we do on pizza night. Yeah. Is we'll have a pizza night and we'll watch oh. Battlefield Earth, bro. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> All right. Let's call it. All right. This is nice. This is a pretty scatterbrain episode. Yeah. But I think we're just excited. I think we're excited. (laughs) I'm excited to not have to like talk about somebody's past and just talk about shit. Yeah. No, I'm I'm about bullshit. And I think we talked about some real shit though. Yeah, we did touch on Kanye and and LeBron for probably the first half. We talked about yeah, for sure. Hopscops to a bunch of other shit. I mean, we'll get better. We said that we talked about LeBron, but we really talked about China and the NBA. That's true. China mostly. That's true. I think you gave an interesting uh, preface to why LeBron is LeBron, and then we went into China. Yeah, I mean, Bron is. Don't get me wrong. LeBron James is my goat. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, I watched his whole career. He's the one for me. And if he puts his foot in his mouth a couple of times throughout the course of his entire career. Mm-hmm. He still still getting, didn't get shadow banned from the league for two years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My goat would never. Who got shadow banned? Jordan. Oh. What? When? Bro, they straight forced his ass out of the league. Oh, really? Gambling problems, because, bro. Uh, was he arrogant before he left? Jordan has always been the most. Yeah, but he, he didn't have social media. So like you, it was hard to tell. Like, bro, Jordan, Michael Jordan was out here calling Muggsy Bogues, Muggsy Bogues a midget in a <laughs> basketball game. Like seriously, yeah, he like broke that man's career. And they just called the tra- like Jordan's infamous trash talking. Yeah, no, he was mean. 
That's an interesting it, topic. He knew, um, Jordan, there's the footage of Jordan shooting free throws with his eyes closed in a game. Yeah. Like, he was very, very cocky. Yeah. That, like, more cocky than anybody. Oh, I know him. he was. But, like... But he was the best. Like, yeah. he could back it up. It's, but yeah. in, it, it was all just about the game, though. Like, he wasn't any sort of Muhammad Ali figure to where no, he was talking no, about because, anything Because, quote-unquote, Republicans buy shoes, too. <laughs> that he said that? Yeah. No way. That's why he's not my king, bro. Brown, he Brown. said that quote? That's on. what I'm saying. That's oh what I'm saying. God. That's... That's the big difference. That's why a lot of people love LeBron more, is that LeBron is LeBron on the court and off the court. Yeah. but And that's why this China shit was like, damn. Michael Jordan was an alien. <laughs> was he? I mean, I just still think that the way that he has looked upon in the past, nobody still... I, st- I don't think that there is an no. argument yet. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like he's a fucking logo. Yeah, but so is Jerry West. Right. Jerry West is the logo. But Jerry West is like the logo. The opposite reason you want to be a logo. <laughs> Jordan is a brand. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, I don't know. Let's figure it Drop something. Drop some inf- super interesting knowledge at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Um, I got a piece so bad I can barely think about anything else. And all I know is the Lakers are four and one right now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, showing no signs of slowing down. <laughs> that boy Bron might average. He might average a triple dub. I don't think he will, but I think he will average a double double for the rest of the season. I think he's going to average at least ten assists for the rest of the year. What? Uh, that's the word. Yeah. Where, where can people find you? Where can people find? Got to do some self promotion. Okay. Oh, I do a lot of shit. Uh, I DJ at Parlor a lot, so if you're in St. Louis, club in St. Louis, come fuck with me at Parlor. Um, aside from that, I don't know, man. You can find me on the internet. Uh, my social media handle is M P Franco. Uh, Can't piss beats. Yeah, I make. <laughs> oh yeah, I make music. Uh, <laughs> I've got music on iTunes. If you just search Michael Franco, uh, you'll find me. Or on Bandcamp. MichaelFranco.bandcamp.com. I make beats and put acapellas on top of them. And um, yeah, I roll really good blunts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm gonna finish this one that I've been kind of like sipping, sipping on <laughs> since I came over. Did you get your card yet? <laughs> nah, man. Uh, I will. I will. But I just feel like why do I need to get a card? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can, I'm sure I like, obviously like going to a dispensary is going to be tight when they're around, but they're still not around. I'm still not going to a dispensary to get yeah. my dody. And, um, it's kind of like drinking before you're 21. And well, and also it, it kind of just feels like if it's illegal for anybody right now, like who's going to say something to me, are you going to come and check me, check my card? Right. I know I'm not supposed to be smoking on the patio at parlor, but <laughs> if it's legal for some people to smoke anywhere, I just don't think it's going to be a problem. Right. Um, I am, that also comes from an incredible place of privilege <laughs> because I'm working at parlor and I happen to be a white man that's kind of <laughs> with by default. Yes. Um, acknowledged, acknowledged, but yeah, no, I don't have my card. I'll get my card when it just like becomes so easy to get my card that I can't, I'll yeah. just like trip and fall into having a card. Yeah, I mean, we're at the end of prohibition. But then, yeah, it's basically. just it's going to be legal, legal soon, right? Like once M- Missouri gets, once they see the the tax money, and they're just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, then it's going to go like recreational, and then I will have wasted money on a card. Once Bernie gets elected, 
<laughs> Pop in the twinkling of an eye, like a thief in the night. <laughs> Before he passes away from an, uh, another he heart signed, attack, he signed the legalized bill from his deathbed. And then whoever is his vice president, that would that's interesting. Who's no, going to be his VP? Bernie could never die from a heart attack once he's in office because how many stints did they put into Cheney's fucking yeah, corpse and, of and, a body? And that demon is still alive. That's what I'm saying. He's just got to get in there, get that White House health care, and he's going to live forever. No shit. <laughs> Fuck, man. Healthcare is so expensive these days. Yeah. Good God. I just had a brush with it, so I, I hate it right now. Uh, culture check. Yeah. Um, or whatever we decide to call it. I'm going to go DJ for Muhammad now. Do it, man. Um, hopefully he doesn't hate me. I'm pretty close to blank space. Uh, he still won't be there for an hour. So I think you're he good. He said they're up there setting up. So Oh, he did. All right. Our buddy Mo mastermind doing a concert. Uh, <laughs> this won't be out, but you should pay attention to him. If you are not, what do you say? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I told I told him I was at Kevin's, uh, but the Kevin keeps talking. I was about to leave, and he sent me I'm back. Done. He sent me back a gif of Kevin's biggest supporter. <laughs> Get out of here! I'm not Jack gonna say supporter. Who All right, y'all. I appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Can't wait for the you. next one. Oh yeah. Okay. It bites the beer. There it is, Franco, Kevin Kelly, anti podcast first episode of more to come lots of culture updates or whatever the fuck we're gonna call it hope you enjoyed it i had a lot of fun doing that one um he is you should look into franco if you don't know who he is multi-talented personality great musician great producer check out his band camp listen to what he has to do and if you have any topics that you want to hear us talk about or would like to have our take on uh, feel free to let us know all right y'all Ta-ta for now. Talk to you later.